you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Looks like we have a pretty good crowd tonight. This morning between the two services, I think we had 70 people, so that's good to see. Isaiah chapter 53, beginning at verse 1. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form of comeliness, and when we shall see him there shall be no beauty, that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely He hath borne our grieves, griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did not esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep <clears throat> have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people was he stricken. And he made him he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit found in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou hast, hast made his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasures of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. When you think about that prophecy, it's about our Savior. And it was written well before He came to this earth to die on a cross. And so Jesus, when He came to this earth, knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew that He was going to die a painful death. He knew that He was going to be rejected by men. But yet, He came to this world to die in your place and my place. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hallelujah is not a word that we use a whole lot in our vocabulary. In fact, it's not used very often in the New Testament, but quite often in the Old Testament. But that word expresses praise and joy and thanksgiving. In the Hebrew, hallelujah means praise ye the Lord. And of all the people, you know, there's not too many people in this world that I would really like to meet. Nobody that's really famous. It doesn't matter to me if I ever met a president or a governor or someone like that. But I would have liked to have met Philip Bliss, who wrote this song. Because I think he understood and he got it what Jesus went through 
And what a privilege it is for Him to know what Jesus did. That hymn that we're looking at is a prophecy from Isaiah concerning the man of sorrows. And it points out many consequences of that fact. That He did come and He was a man of sorrow. And so the song mentions several aspects of the suffering of Christ. And in the very first verse, we find the purpose of His suffering and that it was for the saving of sinners. I thought about that first verse, man of sorrow, what a name for the Son of God who came. Think about that just for a moment. Do you remember any time that a princess in England was going to have a child? Big news on the television. People couldn't wait to see, hear the news. It's all exciting. What are they going to name him? What are they going to name her? What are they going to become? Here we see that the Son of Man, the King of kings and Lord of lords, come to this earth knowing His purpose, but yet people don't appreciate what He's done. Oh yes, it was announced by angels, but yet people don't appreciate what He's done for them. And when you think about a man of sorrows who was the Son of God, that's the prophecy of Jesus. Why did He do that? To save ruined sinners. The word translated sorrows literally means pains. That He was going to suffer. He was going to hurt. And He did that for you and me. In Matthew chapter 16, and verse 21, it says, "...from that time forth began Jesus to show unto His disciples how that He must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day." You think about our own lives, how we try to avoid dangerous situations. We don't want to put our lives in jeopardy. But yet Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen and yet He was going to go to Jerusalem and He was going to face all the problems that He was going to have, all the difficulties, all the trials, and all the punishment that He was going to endure. But yet He went even knowing that He was going to die on a cross. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16, Peter acknowledged the fact that Jesus was the Son of God. In answer to the question of, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered in that verse, and he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, He was the Son of God. Jesus was the Son of God. That word Christ means that He's our Savior. He was the Messiah. He was the one that people should have been looking forward to coming to this world. But yet He's coming to die. Not for His sin. Not for anything that He did wrong, but for your sin and my sin. And all the people that's ever lived. All of their sin. He came to reclaim ruined sinners. I like the way that is phrased. Because it's, like I said this morning, or tried to get a point across this morning, 
is that we don't always look at sin as something that destroys us or that's something that hurts us. And so we dabble with it, we flirt with it, we get involved with it, we participate in it because we think that it's not going to hurt us. But sin ruins our lives. I've heard preachers that were condemned because they stood up and they said that sin in someone's life was ruining their life and it was going to ruin their life. And people got upset because they said those kind of things. That their life wasn't ruined. My friend, if we have sin in our life, our life is ruined. It doesn't mean that it can't be reconciled. It doesn't mean that it can't be fixed because that was why Jesus came to this earth. And what an amazing fact to know that He came knowing what His purpose was, knowing what was going to happen, and yet He loved us enough to come and die on a cross for us anyways. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, the Scripture says, "...for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost." He came to find you, me, and all of mankind because He realized what sin does to people that it separates us from God. The second verse of that song talks of his, about the suffering that was in our place. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned He stood, sealed my pardon with His blood, Hallelujah. What a Savior. In His suffering, Jesus bore our shame and our scoffing rude. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 29, or beginning of verse 39 through 44, as He hung on the cross, it says, And they that passed by reviled Him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking Him, the scribes and the elders said, He saved others, Himself He cannot save. If He be the King of Israel, let Him now come down from the cross, and we will believe Him. He trusted in God. Let Him deliver Him now. If He will have Him, for He saith, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with Him cast the same in His teeth. Imagine Jesus hanging on that cross. You're there and you can see what's taking place. And you know that He's doing that for you. He's in your place. You should be the one on that cross. And people walking by, wagging their heads, saying all kinds of terrible things about Him. Not appreciating what He's done for them. And really, the same thing happens today. We can read the story in the Bible. We can picture it in our minds. But how many people walk away from that sacrifice because they don't appreciate what Jesus did for them? In 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse 23, "...who when He was reviled, reviled not again. When He suffered, He threatened not, but committed Himself to Him that judges righteously." You know, Jesus could have called angels down to fight for Him. He could have come down off of that cross if He wanted to. He could have wiped everyone out that was making fun of Him that day. But He suffered. Why? Because that was the plan. That's what God intended for Him to do. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'll think about, think about that verse. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him... What joy was set before Him? He was accomplishing salvation for all of us if we would accept the terms that He's put forth. He also realized that He was going to be at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning. He also realized that He was going to be victorious over death, which would make us victorious over death if we're a child of His. And so He was looking at what, was going, what, what He was going through, what it was going to accomplish. And there are many times in our lives where we do kind of the same thing. We realize there's a difficult task that we have to face, and when we go through that task, we realize that when we're done, there's going to be something good at the end. And so maybe we're going to work hard. We're going to do something that may be difficult, something that may be unpleasant. But at the end, we know that something good is going to be accomplished. And so we willingly go through whatever we have to go through. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He knew what He was going to accomplish, and He willingly went through that ordeal in the garden, in the trial, and on the cross so that you and I could have eternal life. He did that. He died for sinners. He died for you and me. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Those people walking by, wagging their heads, Jesus died for them. Those that were making fun of Him, saying, come down, you know, let God save you, He died for them. Those that nailed Him to the cross, He died for them. And He died for you and me. And as the song states, He sealed our pardon with His blood. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of His grace." We need that blood to cleanse us. We need that blood to cleanse us as an alien sinner when we obey the Gospel. We go down in that watery grave of baptism. We come in contact with that blood and we're washed in the blood of the Lamb. And as a Christian, when we sin, we have the forgiveness of sin. And that blood continually cleanses us. And so we cannot be saved without the blood of Christ being shed for us. We cannot have redemption without the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so He died and He shed His blood so that you and I could have redemption. So that we could have salvation. And He did it because of His grace, because of His love. He went through that ordeal. Verse 3, says that the reason for His suffering is that we are guilty. Guilty, vile, and helpless we. Spotless Lamb of God was He. And sometimes I think we may miss that part when we sing it. But look at what He's saying in a question mark. Full atonement? Can it be? Really, do we deserve full atonement? And I think that that's what the author of this song is realizing. Do we deserve it? Is this Jesus did this for us so that we could have atonement and a full pardon? 
Hallelujah. What a Savior. We are guilty because we have sinned. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In contrast, when we look at our lives and compare them to the life of Christ, He was a spotless Lamb of God. He was that spotless sacrifice. He was without sin. He did nothing that was worthy of death. In John chapter 1 and verse 29, the next day Jesus seeing, or John seeing Jesus coming unto him saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 and 19 it says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Silver and gold cannot buy what Jesus has done for us. No amount of money can purchase our salvation. No amount of money, no works that we could do could earn what Jesus did for us. Jesus shed His precious blood. He was without spot or blemish. Full atonement? Can it be? And because He suffered for us, we can have full atonement and be reconciled back to God. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 11, And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we now receive the atonement. We have the forgiveness of sin because of what Jesus did for us. Verse 4 says that the, shows us that the end or goal of His suffering was to die for us. Lifted up was He to die. <clears throat> it is finished was His cry. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah. What a Savior. He was lifted up to die. He was lifted up on a cross. John chapter 3 and verse 14, Jesus says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The children of Israel had rebelled against against God, and God had sent fiery serpents in to bite and to destroy the people. Moses had to make a serpent of brass and put it up so people could see it. And those that would look upon it were saved. Jesus was lifted up so that you and I could be saved. Lifted up on a cross. John chapter 8 and verse 28. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He, and that I do nothing of Myself, but as My Father hath taught Me, I speak these things. Jesus is telling them what's going to happen. I'm not sure they understood or comprehended what He was saying. But there came a point where they did. And maybe there's a time in our life where we may not appreciate or understand all that Jesus did for us, but hopefully we will grow and mature to the point where we really appreciate all that Jesus has done for us. Because none of us were worthy of it. But yet God said that He loved us enough to send His Son to die on a cross. John chapter 12, verses 32-34 through 34, 
It says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou the Son of Man shall be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Again, people didn't understand the message that Jesus was giving. But Jesus is pointing out that He's going to die. He's going to be lifted up. And that was going to be fulfillment of things that had been foretold that was going to take place about Him. Should they have recognized Jesus as the Messiah? Should they have recognized Him as Christ? As the Son of God? Look at the life that He lived. Look at the things that He was able to do. People should have been able to understand and know that this is the person that we've been looking for. We've been waiting for. It's been prophesied hundreds of years before. All the way back in Genesis. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it had been prophesied. They should have recognized Jesus for who He was and what He stood for and why He was here. The Bible tells us in John chapter 19 and verse 30 that He cried out that it is finished. And as the song says, it is finished was His cry. It says in verse 30, And when Jesus therefore received the vinegar, He said, It is finished. And He bowed His head and gave up the ghost because His death had a specific purpose, He was able to say, it is finished. He had accomplished what He came to do, die on a cross for our sins. We know that He was going to rise from the dead. We know that was part of the plan. But He had died at that particular point when He said it's finished. He had died for the sins of all people. Made a way possible so you and I could have hope of eternal life. But as the song says, but now He is in heaven, exalted high. Think about what was said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 9, beginning. It says, And when He had spoken these things while they beheld, He was taken up and a cloud received Him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by him in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, which he wrought in Christ when he received him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and mights and dominions and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Jesus ascended to heaven. He's now at the right hand of God, exalted. That's where He's at. That's where He belongs. And we need to appreciate what He's done for us. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 11, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There are people that don't want to bow to God. They don't want to submit to God. But what we find here is there's no other name above Jesus. 
And that someday on Judgment Day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Those that claim there is no God, that Jesus was just a story, are going to confess the name of Christ. But if they're not in a safe condition, it's going to be too late. And we need to understand that we all need to bow our knee to our Lord today, submitting our lives to Him. You see a lot of bowing and kneeling out there in the world today. They're bowing and kneeling to all the wrong things. Because we need to be bowing and kneeling our loyalty to our Lord and Savior and to the Almighty God. That's where our loyalty should be. And we need to understand what He's done for us, and maybe that would help some of the problems in this world that we have. But people don't want to acknowledge Him. Why? Because if they acknowledge Him as Lord, that means that they would have to submit to His will. And it's like carrying that cross that I was talking about this morning. We'll carry a cross, but we want it the way we want it. We'll follow Him, but we want to go where we want to go. And we'll deny ourselves as long as we don't have to deny the things we really want. We're going to follow Jesus. We have to deny self. We have to take up our cross. And we have to follow Him. How many of us are doing that? Recognizing that Jesus is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and that He is at the right hand of God. That's our Savior. It's at the right hand of power. The last verse of the song says that the result of His suffering is that He is now our King. When He comes, our glorious King, all His ransomed home to bring, then anew this song we'll sing. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Jesus is now sitting on His throne as King of kings. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter and the other apostles stood and they spoke. The Apostle Peter tells us, beginning in verse 29 of that same chapter, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and that his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of all the fruits of his loin, according to the flesh, that he would raise Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, and therefore, wherefore we all are witnesses. Therefore, being at the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which we now see and hear. Peter is declaring the fact that Jesus had died for them, that He had been buried. He was not left in the grave. That's what it's talking about there in hell. He wasn't left in that grave, but He came forth out of that grave victorious. And He's now at the right hand of God. As Revelation chapter 19 and verse 16 tells us, "...and He..." hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The same day our King will return, or someday our King will return. And when He returns, as the song points out, He'll bring those that have been ransomed to be home with Him. 
In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, think about that day. How many of us look forward to that day? Because we've lived a life in service to our Lord, faithful, knowing that when He returns, we're going to have a home in heaven with Him. You see, Paul had that assurance, and you and I can have that same assurance that when we are faithful, when we serve God, when we're doing what the Bible teaches us that we are to do, we know that we can have that home in heaven with Him. And we should all be looking forward to that day. In fact, we should be saying, Lord, come quickly. We want You to come as soon as possible. Why? Because if we're faithful, we'll live forever with our wonderful Savior who died for our sins. And then as that song says, that we can sing forever around His throne. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 5, verses 8-14. through 14. And when He had taken the books... The four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hath redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation." and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels around about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and a number of them was twelve, or ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. And every creature which is in heaven and upon the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I, I saying, Blessings and honor and glory and power be unto Him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped Him that lived forever and ever. How much do we appreciate our worship to God today? Do we consider it a privilege to be able to come into His presence? To come into the presence of our Savior and bow down and worship Him in our songs and in our prayers and in our giving, our partaking of the Lord's Supper and listening to His Word. Do we consider that a blessing and a privilege? Do we look at it as a privilege to be able to serve Him as we leave this building and go out and we serve and let His light shine in our lives so that His name is glorified? When we think about what Jesus has done for us, we're indebted to Him because of what He did. Hallelujah. What a Savior. God loved us enough to send His Son to die on a cross that we might be redeemed. And we should always want to say the words of that song because He is 
a wonderful, wonderful Savior. If you need to respond to the invitation tonight, <clears throat> you can do so by coming and having a seat up here on the front row. You have that opportunity while we stand and sing.